Hey, this is Sean from Wasted Knowledge. You're listening to Episode 10, Part 1. This is our very first recording on location. Uh, We are at Southbound in Chambly, Georgia, and we are talking to their beverage director, Jeff. We go through a lot while we're here. We're going to have a lot of cocktails. Uh, Check out the photos on uh, WastedKnowledgePodcast.com or uh, on our Twitter feed or on Instagram, WastedKnowledgePodcast. Hope you enjoy the episode. Cheers. (laughs) Cheers. Uh, you know, I, I was about to say, like, welcome to the whatever episode number of, wait, I can't remember what episode number it is. I think we're on episode 11, but, yeah. well, I think maybe posting episode 11, so this might oh, actually be Oh, we recorded like 15, we just, yeah, you know, I know. had some issues. So, so episode 11. Episode 11. Mm. If we're wrong, then I'll just have a really <laughs> weird edit of like, yeah. welcome to episode 10. Welcome to episode 10. I'm really stoked that we have labs on right now. No, this is great. Like I'm so, not sitting in front of a mic. I can just move around. Uh, so where are we, by the way? Welcome, everybody. This is uh, going to be the first uh, mobile full podcast. Sean did his uh, did a uh, small, short mobile podcast when he went to one of the cons. Every once in a while, I get drunk on the run. Yeah, yeah. But mm-hmm. this is our first full Wasted Knowledge podcast on the road. We are currently at Southbound Restaurant in Chambly. Uh, and we're sitting down here with uh, Jeff. How you doing, Jeff? I'm doing well. Nice. Cocktails treating me very nicely. All right, what are we starting out with? Uh, so this is a drink uh, I've just been slowly working on. It's a riff on a Mai Tai. So we're doing um, uh, Plantation Zameka, Chiro, which is an aloe liqueur, uh, pineapple, lime, uh, rum fire, and a OFTD float because there's not enough rum in it. And uh, OFTD is? Uh, that's Plantation's Overproof. It's a 151, uh, standing for, oh fuck, that's delicious. <laughs> it's a fantastic story. Yeah. On, the, on the label it says, Old Fashioned Traditional Dark. I see it looked pretty dark when he floated but it. But anybody no who knows, anybody who's a part of making that, they'll tell you it stands for, oh fuck, that's delicious. Yep. That's fantastic. Sweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, awesome. So we have the pleasure today of sitting down with Jeff, um, and if you could not tell by the drinks we're drinking and the recipe you just spit out, he's a bartender actually here at Southbound Restaurant, putting these things together. Um, you're all, what else do you do, Jeff? Uh, so I also run King Cube Ice Company in Atlanta, so we do a lot of craft cocktail ice and stuff like that, um, distributing to a lot of the cocktail bars and stuff around downtown. Um, so yeah, basically run the program here at Southbound um, four days a week. Well, really six days a week most of the time. <laughs> then, That's uh, how it always is. Yeah. Scheduled this <laughs> many days, but I'm here. Yeah, you're always working. And then, uh, yeah, running my own company as well on the side, and that's uh, always fun as well, so. Cool. Always working. How long have you been bartending? Uh, and I've been bartending probably for really full time in like craft bars for like six or seven years. Um, I've worked on and off in the food service industry since I was like, I mean, really, the first job was at Chick fil A. Uh, you know, making lemonade. <laughs> I know a lot of good people in this industry who got their start at Chick-fil-A. Yeah. It's a great service start. Yeah. Well, and you get to start, like, a little bit younger than, like, most other places, yeah. too. So, 
and the, the guaranteed Sunday off is always nice to have. There you go. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Honestly, that's what I was looking for. Like six years bartending. Are right, you doing something else in the industry? Yeah. Lemonade Chick Fil A. Mm-hmm. Lemonade Chick Fil A. Yeah. I so yeah. did that and then worked uh, at. Uh, for Levy Restaurants is the world's second largest catering company. So started from the ground up there. Uh, first gig was working for a uh, Microsoft convention at the Trade Center, uh, or actually at the Georgia Dome, rather. Mm. <clears throat> I had to show up at uh, 3 o'clock in the morning to start brewing 10,000 gallons of coffee. Holy crap. Yeah. It was about five hours wow. of brewing coffee, 10 gallons, well, 20 gallons at a time. Was what? this like quality coffee or just garbage <laughs> no, drip coffee? No, it's just like, it's coffee concentrate. Yep. It basically wow. just gets like pumped through and you just feel like big cambros. Uh, and that was quite the job because, uh, so circumference of the Georgia Dome is a half mile from one side to the other side. So the diameter? Do what? Diameter? Yeah. Whatever. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Well, the half circle. One side would be so. Half mile. Well, you said, oh, when you walk to the other side, around. you don't walk straight across. Yeah. So when you walk around the whole thing, uh, it basically ends up being half mile. So okay. the, where we brewed coffee was on the exact opposite side. So every time you finished your like whatever 50 gallon batch you would have to walk a mile pushing a cart with coffee uh it was quite miserable i think i feel like there was a logistics error there well so levy levy does a lot of the big like sports arenas mm -hmm. and convention centers and stuff like that yeah yeah uh yeah around the world um i after that i mean i started going up doing um the U.S. Open, uh, doing the tennis stuff up there every year. Uh, so I would go up in like early part of July and stay till uh, mid to late September. Um, that's when I ended up doing a lot of their like HR stuff. We hired all the employees there. Um, we'd have to hire like 2,500 employees every year. Um, so did that in HR and then I would also do like the Kentucky Derby. Uh, which was really fun, so I ended up bartending some of the private, like, infield suites. But um, I say bartending, but you're really just pouring the pre-made, uh, you know, Mokifer, right. pre-made mix that Woodford makes. <clears throat> so when did you get into the craft side of things? Yeah, so I was working at uh, Greens on Ponce, which is a big liquor store uh, downtown Atlanta. And um, I was working in the high-end beer department. Um, so I was sort of in charge of their stock uh, inventory management and stuff. I didn't really do any of the buying there, but um, just basically a stock boy. But um, they had, I mean, like a thousand SKUs or something like that. It's like right. one of the largest beer stores on the East Coast, uh, especially at the time. Cause this was probably eight years ago, seven or eight years ago. Um, I mean, like, I was working there when Bells launched in Georgia. I was about to say, like, what were the big names eight years ago? (laughs) It's so crazy and convoluted now here in Atlanta (laughs) that, like, I mean, we get every, I mean, distribution in Atlanta is pretty, I mean, minus some things on the other side of the uh, Rocky Mountains, you know, like, we're getting a lot of distribution in Atlanta now, but that's fairly Mm -hmm. recent. Like, so, like, when that hit Atlanta, I think I was still bartending in Michigan. Bells in Atlanta. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Down the street. So what? Uh, what 
excites you now when you're thinking about bartending and cocktails? Like, what's your um, passion? Your, yeah, yeah I, I think a lot of it comes back to sort of my style, um, you know, because I think for me personally, like, the places that I've been at have pushed, you know, put me to where I am today. Um, so I worked at Graft for a long time as a bourbon-focused program, which that was, like, right when bourbon, like, started to become, like, a big deal. We didn't carry craft, you know, we didn't carry call brands. We didn't have Jack. We didn't have Woodford Makers. You know, we back then we were still selling uh, Black Maple Hill, you know, yeah. like, <laughs> the old bottlings. And, like, we were still getting, like, Pappy Van Winkle tenure, and we were just, like, making cocktails with it. And it was just, like, because... It was cool. available. Yeah. It like, wasn't well, yeah, a big deal back then. Yeah, because it was and cheap. Yeah, so we were, you know, working through a lot of that stuff. I worked there for five years and then went to uh, the Luminary, which is now closed, but a uh, French restaurant. Really got into cognac, hmm. um, stuff like that. Got to work with uh, Eli Kirstein, um, really talented chef. Um, and he helped my palate a lot, um, which was really cool, um, getting to work with him, getting to learn some, like, little bit more technique um, I think of like working with you know like handling fruits you know working with herbs like you know making syrups uh, so I think I developed a lot more of the culinary side of my bartending profession there and then left Luminary to work at Brush uh, Sushi Izakaya in Decatur mm-hmm. and uh, really fell in love with like more Asian style, um, especially like Asian style bartending. Um, a lot of their technique, um, I really love the styles of cocktails because they're generally like really simple. Uh, they're very clean, and but they're still like really complex. Um, and I think something that I really enjoy that sort of nods to my personal style of the stuff that's just like you could sit there and drink it and like. Uh, you know, the complexity of it is, like, simple, so a lot of it can, like, go over your head if you're not really, like, paying attention. Um, but they're still, like, really mm-hmm. clean and easy and, like, really chuggable. So this is one, it's all, like, the night, well, I think we're all here because we like booze, so <laughs> clear the board of that. Like, I find liquor endlessly fascinating and, and fun, as if I already finished my drink. And... Is there, except I don't know, is there a Japanese or even Oriental, uh, sorry, Asian style of rum? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know about style. Or um, take on version of? Yeah, there's, I mean, there's definitely uh, Japanese rums uh, coming into the market. Um, I mean, to my knowledge, at least for Georgia, we only have two. Um, one, and they've both come into the market in the past, like, month. Oh, okay. Uh, so it's it's a very, very new category. Um, not category, but it's a very new expression. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's not one that's, like, a lot of information on, because um, mm-hmm. obviously they're going to have, you know, same sort of tropical environment. Uh, Sugarcane grows really well on some of the islands. Um, so the, the ones we have is, like, Tidu, um which is a sugarcane base. Um, not really like agricole, um, but it, it's sort of cool because like, you know, their, their distillation process is approached a little bit more like shochu, so a lot of okay. them are using copper pot stills, um, single distillation, like it's, 
really cool. Um, so does it come out, in your opinion, more like a cachaça then, since it's a sugarcane base instead of a molasses base? Um, I well, the tea do to me it tastes a little bit more like an. I don't know. It, it's it's I'm really strange. Like yeah, because it's like, like it, that one's a little bit agricole because it's a little bit grassy, uh, but not quite as like rich on the palate. Yeah. Um, I'm still trying to like sort of wrap my brain around it and figure out where it fits, but um, I think it's just sure. sort of like in its own little box. Um, the other one coming in, I can't even remember the name of. It's like Roro or yeah, it was something like that. TC was around. I, I tasted that it. one. Yeah, um, I, I I liked it very much. That was one of the coolest rums and spirits I've had in a while. It was um, yeah, like it's made by a uh, female uh, female distiller. Um, I think it's like 15 miles off the coast of Okinawa, uh, basically on a small island out there where there's only an airport. Um, she's using a native sugar cane to that island, um, using a single copper pot distillation. And they're distilling at um, the airport, because it's literally the only yeah. structure. On yeah, the it's just an airport, <laughs> uh, but she's just making everything there. There's not a lot of information or technical data on it, but they're just like, yeah, we found it, and now we're importing it, because we think it's pretty good. And it's like, oh, this is like fucking weird, but it's really good. Um, it was very intense. Yeah, to me it was sort of like a Jamaican meets like, I don't know, like Guatemalan maybe? It was like really funky on the nose, really? but yeah. um, I, I, it was very strange, but uh, really cool, but they don't have a lot of technical data on it. Interesting. Mm. That's cool. That, yeah. it's, it's, well, you're not asking anything too soon, I'll keep going. Well, I was going to say... I, that's, what, that's what I say. I, I think it's. I think that's something that's really cool. I've worked with Jeff now for about a year. Wow. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I started. Um, well, yeah, almost a year. Almost a year. We're getting, yeah. Yeah, because I started at CL at uh, September. Yeah. So, um, but uh, I think one of the really cool aspects of working with you in alongside of you and seeing is that you get this really you have this great uh, experience on both sides of the industry distribution and purchasing and selling and you've made a lot of really cool connections and been able to try a lot of the things in, in your knowledge and like what you enjoy anyway kind of like what you're saying isn't the call stuff isn't the big stuff it's not the stuff that's People are going to come in and instantly recognize it's always the little things. And so just being around you has been really cool to just get to try some things that, like, other people have never heard of. A lot of people may never hear of in their entire life. Yeah. But that's, I think that's, I think there's something to say for that in this industry in general. It's just uh, kind of being ahead of the curve. Like, you can't follow the trends. Yeah, we talked about this too. You can't mm -hmm. be following the trends in this industry. You have to kind of be a trendsetter. In, uh. in because most of the time in this industry, by the time you're following a trend, it's actually already been around for a while. Then it was written about, <laughs> and then this happened. Right. And by the time you get your get settled into that trend, 
people yeah. have moved on to the next thing. Yeah, I mean, it's like by the time Imbibe is writing about something, it's already been around for probably two or three years. Right. Like, uh, and I think it's the same, not just in our industry, but like even in like architecture and design and stuff like that, where it's like, you know, somebody up in New York or wherever has been doing this thing forever that somebody just fell in love with, and that designer took a picture of it made this thing about it and then a magazine noticed that person doing it so they did that and put out this article on it and this is you know three or four years in right. um you right. know so it's just if you're following trends i you know it's like what tc said it's just you're already sort of behind the behind the curve well, yeah, i think it's sorry i interrupted you um, oh you're good So I don't, I, I don't like to think of it as following trends, but you're right. Like, if I, like, just read something in a magazine, it's worth learning about if I didn't know about it, for sure. But it's much more interesting to follow the things that excite you. Like, so whether it's well, rum that's, or tequila that's or whiskey I was going to follow up. Like, I feel like you, you were kind of always trying to be on that cutting edge and always looking for the next thing and always looking for something that may be along the ways of a trend but maybe on the outskirts out, just that kind of pushes it a little bit further or something what do you think well what do you think is going to be will be the next big trend in the bar world and then you can segue off of that and what do you want the next big like it may not actually be gonna it may not actually gonna happen but if you had your choice what would the next trend be I mean if I had my choice the next big trend would be run but uh, I think people have been saying that that'll be the next big trend for, like for a decade. <laughs> for a decade. Like it, I think yeah, it rotates yeah. to me, and like it's, it kind of goes through cycles of whether it's yeah, rum whiskey, or gin or tequila or gin. Yeah. just got a death grip on it, and then vodka's. Well, I mean, for I think it's like diets. bourbon in particular. I mean, I I would like to see rum. I think um, you know, I do think that the Asian category um, is going to blow up. That's an interesting um, point. Yeah. Because, I mean, you're, you're already seeing, you know, like Yamazaki, Hibiki, you got uh, like Nika, stuff like that, where they're already, like, the popularity is just through the roof, and they ran out of their product, you know, faster than people ran out of bourbon. Um, you know, granted, Asian whiskey didn't know that they was going to blow up that quick. Um, but I, I think that's part of the thing that I like about... Um, the Asian category is because it's uh, they're still in the state of like constant innovation mm. um, so now you're seeing a lot more blending um, but they're not really limiting their self and they don't have those rules in place to limit them to what they can and cannot do um, so I, I think the Asian category especially with whiskeys and rums and like some of the spirits that they're making are a lot more exciting um than a bowl of the rest of the world. Any restaurant I've ever worked at, there's been a chef that would introduce a new technique, even if it was for cutting fruits, but then would talk something about food or texture, and then it would affect how I look at cocktails. Is there a, a really good example for how, how that might have changed how you worked on a cocktail or worked on a, a recipe? Um... I like how TC's got a bunch of drippings in his beer, by the way. <laughs> what? <laughs> you just tasted the cocktail. A daiquiri stash. Yeah. <laughs> the daiquiri stash. It's not... This is a... 
making a daiquiri for Jeff is kind of a somewhat of a nerve-wracking thing. It's delicious. Um, I think the two chefs that I worked with that probably had the biggest influence on me was, uh, I mean, again, Eli. Um, he brought more of a recognizing the need for salt in more cocktails, hmm. um, you know, and how that changes the palate uh, and how it affects it. Not necessarily saying need like a, a salt rim on everything, but hmm. um, you know, we even behind the bar we have a saline solution that we use in a lot of our cocktails. Um, uh, so, you know, I mean, saline's going to help a lot with uh, acid-driven cocktails, but also bitter-driven cocktails. Um, you know, some works really great in. Other ones, like, you know, we tried to do a couple drops in a Vucre once, and I'm just like, oh, this, this doesn't work. Like, it's not doing it for me. So um, that, he brought up that a lot more, um, especially balancing acid. Um, and then um, working with Jason uh, Liang at uh, Brush as a Kaya Indicator was um, definitely really cool. Um, you know, getting to see and especially get introduced into a lot more of like Japanese fruits and like um, a lot of the technique, uh, even like knife work uh, was pretty incredible. Um, keeping your knife sharp and like things like that. It's just mm -hmm. like, oh, yeah, this all like makes complete sense to me. And like everybody, uh, TC saw it, see, I used yeah. to keep this big fucking cleaver behind the bar. It was my favorite. And everybody gave me shit for it for the longest time when I started there until everybody started using it. And there's like, oh, this is like the sharpest knife I've ever used. And it like cuts everything just perfectly. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah. Well, yeah, a lot of yeah. the Japanese cutting knives, especially for vegetables or fruit, are big money. Yeah. Yeah, I like what you had to say about, like, the chefs and just the restaurants and stuff that influenced you. Didn't necessarily influence how you make drinks, or not all of their influence is really on how you make drinks, but it's more about, you said, like, appreciating the ingredients and technique. And I think that's, like, in general, I think a lot of that has this, I think I've, I've talked about this at length on this podcast at part of time. But a lot of that has to do with just the, you've just working with professionals. Mm. And just this industry, while it is full of professionals and they're the people that I love, it drastically lacks them at the same time. And I think that like, uh, I think that people who put technique and care and time into everything in this industry get me just I, I love when they come out to the light and get recognition and stuff like that it doesn't matter if you're making Long Island iced teas and peanut butter and jelly sandwiches if they're the best peanut butter jelly sandwiches and the best Long Island iced teas out there and you know then yeah that's what it is you know it's, and you can still do that but granted you're gonna have to I mean if you open up with that's your menu you're gonna have to you got a big tree to climb to convince me, but I kind of want that challenge to happen. I kind of want to walk into a place and be like, "Here's your Long Island like, what do you peanut make, butter Gary? and jelly, sir." Yeah, but uh, but yeah, I think that that's awesome. Like technique and taking on the other things from the professionals. Like, 
yeah. knife sharpening and Hold on. like yeah. you said, your palate and then transferring that to your craft. You don't have people sit down at their chef's counters like, yeah, I, I see the menu you have, but you know what I really want is a pizza. <laughs> like, can you just whip up a pizza real quick? That'd be cool. And you're like, sir, this is a ramen like, restaurant. Yeah, <laughs> dude, like, we make sushi here. I don't think you, like, got the point. Uh, you know, and that's something that, like, bartenders have to deal with as well, where it's just like, yeah, we've got this great cocktail menu in place, but you still have somebody that wants to come in and, they're like, hey, can I have a tea and punch? Drop. Right, or yeah. can I have a lemon drop? Or can I have a, uh, oh, got it, brunch on Sunday? Somebody's like, hey, can you make a uh, cinnamon toast crunch? And I was like, what? I'm like, yeah, it's a fireball uh, and rum chata. And I was like, no, uh, no. Oh, my <laughs> like, God. I'm not even going to try. Like, <laughs> what? Like, we don't carry any is, of those products. The funny thing is, though, if that happened here on Sunday... There is a cinnamon toast crunch drink on the menu. Yeah. No, that was the funny part. It was just like... So uh, on the cocktail menu here at Southbound, there is the mad real world. It is a banana-infused cognac. <laughs> okay. Go on. Go on. Uh, uh, so it's a young banana-infused uh, Pierre Ferrand Amber. Uh, Tempest Fugit Creme de Banane, which is a little bit more like uh, cooked bananas. Okay. Um, then we did lemon juice, so we basically did like the sidecar, and then we clarified it with a uh, cinnamon toast crunch cereal milk. Uh, so you end up with like a lot of cinnamon, banana, but you also pull out like some of the grain notes from the cereal. Uh, so she was like, oh, can you make me a cinnamon toast crunch? I was like, no, like, but I've got this drink on the menu that actually has, like, cinnamon toast crunch in it. No, 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 I just, just wanted that shot real quick. Like, oh. What kind of day are you going to have where you want to start out with start off. and fireball? Yeah, you just want to like, throw up, I guess. Sunday fun day. <laughs> That's like a chihuahua <laughs> kicking drink. Like, what are you... If you hear that phrase coming in the door, Sunday, Monday, that's just yeah. what I You know, mean. it's not going to turn out great. In trouble. Is, is, you know what? I want the vomit to taste like it's going down as it's going to coming up. There you go. Which actually, I guess, is somewhat decent I, planning. I do, have to say, I do have to say, I, I feel like the, uh, ah. the shot culture has dissipated. Which is it hasn't disappeared, but it has dissipated. Yeah. Most oh, people yeah. who take shots nowadays are shooting straight liquor, yeah. maybe with a back. I know. You know, but you don't have to do B-52s or duck farts but what you had or to learn, zombie brains. I had to learn when I was cutting my teeth. But I, I, I am glad that those have, have gone away. They don't... There's very few shots that I ever thought that I saw that like, oh, wow, that's clever or that's an interesting thing. Um, really, what was the um, German chocolate cake? It was the only one I ever thought was interesting because it had none of the ingredients you think it would have. And it still ended up tasting like German chocolate cake. Right, and it still tasted good, which is what got me interested in cocktails, was that you could try something and go, oh, wow, how novel, how neat, how creative. And shots just don't really let you do that so much. There's a chicken and waffles cocktail available in the Atlanta area now. And that will do it for the first part of episode 10. Uh, Stay tuned. The next part should be up in about a week where we go and talk more with Jeff. We do our substitute for Mixed Match Malort. 
and uh, have some more fun conversation. Please always make sure that you get a safe ride home if you are out drinking. Also, uh, if you like this episode or like any of our episodes, feel free to give us a like on uh, Apple Podcasts. Send us a tweet at Wasted K Podcast. Send us an email at wastedknowledgepodcast at gmail.com if you're in the Atlanta area. We'd love to see you. We are going to be doing a live show at DragonCon this year in Atlanta, Georgia. So please come check us out or come find us at the con and say hello. Otherwise, hey, be safe, be responsible. We'll see you next time. Cheers. <laughs>